Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Spock is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, May 11th, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time, which means we are live. So you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking at 646-668-2433. You're definitely going to want to put that number on speed dial and start calling now because we have got a great show planned for you guys tonight, and I can't wait to dive right in. But before we get to that, I want to introduce to you guys my ever-faithful truck experts, and we'll start out with Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing very well, Jim. Uh, it is a beautiful day here in Portland. Uh, it's about 75 degrees, sunny, uh, couldn't be nicer. And, you know, we're kind of in this little gap between having new Trek available to us. And I'm really excited to have things like special guests uh, in this little interim here. So uh, I'm pretty stoked about tonight's show, honestly. Yeah, we have a great show. And uh, we also are on, on my birthday, on June 1st, we're going to be talking to Laura Banks. The Wrath of Blonde is the name of her latest book, and we're going to have her on to talk to you guys as well, so that's pretty cool. And it's really nice here in Rutland, up in Vermont, too. It's about 70. It's beautiful. Can't wait to get up to camp. And we have also Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. I think it's mid-80s today, though I hear this weekend we're going to be seeing 90s. So our usual roller coaster, but I think we're heading a little, little more towards our usual spring into summer. But well, looking forward to doing a lot of trek, trek talking tonight. It might hit 77 up at camp this weekend, so I'm kind of psyched about that. So, uh, you know, as of right now, guys, uh, we have 138,959 followers on our Facebook page which is really, really awesome. And 124,342 downloads of this very podcast. So thank you to you guys for making that possible. Head on over to trektalking.com, and there you'll find all the information that you need, and you can bop over to our Facebook page and get your name listed on our fan shout-outs. All right, guys, we're going we're gonna to start in here a little bit early. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. You're going to want to start dialing. If you enjoyed Star Trek Picard Season 3, and obviously tonight is Thursday because beheadings are on Wednesdays, which is really good for you guys. And, uh, and you enjoyed all those awesome fight scenes with Worf, then this is your show because we have the one, the only, 
Quinn R. Early, who was the stuntman for Michael Dorn, and he donned all that war makeup and armor and wielded the mech lift and beheaded Ferengis, fought off the board. He did it all, and he's here with us live in the studio. How you doing tonight, Quinn? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, let's just dive in and, and start. So before you landed this role, were you a Star Trek fan? Been a Star Trek fan my whole life. I have uh, uh, two older brothers. Uh, so when I was little, you know, I would watch all of the original series reruns with them. And uh, I've just been a, a, a fan ever since, ever since I was a little boy. Wow. So, how did how did you land the role of Worf? Well, not not the role of Worf, but how did you get the role of doing Worf's stunts? Well, you know, in 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 the stunt community, everyone pretty much knows each other. Um, I got a call from a buddy of mine who happened to be the stunt coordinator of the show, and asked me if I was available and interested uh, in, in in doubling for Michael Dorn. You know, we're about the same height you know, the same, uh, same build and stuff like that. So it just, uh, it just made sense. And he also knew that, uh, I'm a lifelong martial artist and he knew that, and it was going to be some sword play and stuff like that. So it, it was a good fit. Now, when you, when you started doing the wharf, the stunts for wharf, I'm sorry, when, how long did it take for you to get into the makeup and put on the whole, the whole, all the gear to turn into wharf? I'll tell you, not as long as, as you might think, um, I've done roles where putting on prosthetics could take up to three or four hours, but this makeup only took about an hour and a half. They already had the headpiece and the nose, which was attached to the headpiece. So they placed that and then it was just a matter of building the makeup around it and then putting on the wig and, and, and you know, styling the hair and stuff like that. So it only took about an hour and a half each time. Wow. And how long did it take Michael Dorn about the same time? Or see a little bit longer. Yeah, you know? yeah, probably pretty pretty much the same time. Um, he had, I think he wore his his mustache, you know, his goatee set up pretty much how Worf wore it. So he didn't have to spend as much time with that part, but uh, pretty much about the same thing between an hour, hour and a half. Wow. Now you said that you were a martial artist. Um, when you want to do the stunts, like let's talk about when you, when you get to use Worf's new sword and you behead the Ferengi the first time we see oh. Worf and you save Rafi. Um, as the coordinator, did you come up with the moves that we see in that? Or, or was, was, did someone else come up with that and you just did it? Yeah, so I wasn't the coordinator on that show. Um, I was just – so I was directed by the fight coordinator on that. And, uh, you know, we just talked about what the moves might be. You know, they, they let me have a little bit of input because I am a martial artist. But, you know, so are those guys. So, And it wasn't too um, too intricate of a stuff. It was, you know, shuffle here, spin the sword this way, slice at this angle, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so we we worked together on it, and, uh, yeah, we just came up with the fight beats. Yeah, but, boy, did it look good on screen when you beheaded that Ferengi. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And you got to use Worf's new sword, the, what, the Mechlet? Curlith. Curlith. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Looks really cool. Um, 
not sure how functional of a weapon it is if you had to use that for real. Um, it, it wasn't usually when you handle a sword, the the grip on it is round. The one on on there was flat, so if your hands were sweaty at all, the thing would slip around a little bit. But we made do, and it looked really cool, um, and it was fun to work with, and just a lot of fun to, to just uh, just to do the do the dance, if you will. It did look really cool. And um, now, did 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 you work with Michelle with Michelle Hurd at all on those scenes with Rafi? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did. She's very nice, very nice lady. So, so what would happen is it took us about three weeks um, of working out with the actors to do uh, that scene, the one with Rafi. And uh, what we would do is uh, we would work on the beats as a stunt team, and then we would have the actors come in, and we would warm up, and then I would work with um, with Michael. And the stunt woman would work with a, a Michelle and then we would come together and then we would have it to where uh, I would work with the stunt woman and Michael would work with Michelle and then we'd mix it around to where I would go with Michelle, you know, so then that way when we did the scene, when the coverage was on Michelle, for example, a lot of the times it would be me doing the work with her and then it would be the stunt woman going with Michael when the, when the coverage was on Michael as far as, you know, the shooting coverage. So I kind of mixed it up, and, uh, you know, after about three weeks, everybody had it down really well, and so when they yelled action, you know, pretty much uh, the pieces snapped together, and it worked like clockwork. Wow, that's impressive. What, what was the feeling like on the set, getting all these guys back together for the first time in, in decades? Was it, was it really exciting to be there? You know, I'll tell you what was really interesting to me. You know, I was talking to Michael, and he was talking about the fact that that cast is was so extremely close. You know, it's almost like their family. And when they were doing um, Next Generation, they would often go to dinner together. They spent holidays together. They were extremely close. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be there when some of them uh, saw each other for the first time in years and just how they held each other and just like the tears and how happy they were to be back together again uh, working on this series. So it was pretty cool to pretty cool experience. Pretty cool to watch. I, I bet that was, I bet that was how long, how long were you actually on to, on set to film your scenes as Worf? Like, did you do them uh, all? There, at one? No. Yeah. It, it, it was there. I worked, it was, I was there on and off probably for close to three months. So there was some, at some points where I would work all week and then uh, there were just days here and there. Uh, so, yeah, I would say just, just about three months of work. And it, what's funny is before I played that role um, the, for season two, uh, I actually got to play a Borg and got, got run through with an uh, El, El Norse sword. <laughs> so that was pretty <laughs> That's cool. awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so that, was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was going to ask about that one. Yeah, so that was so, that was pretty cool, and then I came back later to play War. Now, talk a little bit about when you got to battle the Borg in that in that the finale of Borg the, on the Borg Cube, and well, actually, Worf got shot a couple of times, but you got to yeah. battle these big nasty Borg. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, and actually, 
you know, and, and again, like I, I said earlier that uh, in the stunt community, everybody's pretty much friends. So, you know, it's all my buddies over there playing the Borg. So there are lots of jokes in between takes. But, you know, the the work that we put in to choreograph the fight and, you know, to work out those beats, you know, it's pretty pretty grueling, long hours, just getting it right. So, again, when they yell action, you know, it all just comes together. So in between the laughing and jokes, I mean, it was a pretty serious thing once they yell action. and uh, But just a lot of fun, great experience, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the world. How impressive were the sets to, to be on them? And they looked spectacular on TV, but did they look that good in person? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, as someone who's a Star Trek fan, you know, I, I, I looked at all the stuff and I studied all of it. It was pretty impressive just how they put it all together and, you know, the upper and lower decks, you know, all the comm systems, just all the lights and, you know, the, all, it had all the bells and whistles there and uh, just really cool. Very cool to, to, to be a part of. How heavy was was Worf's curlet? Is it because when when Riker goes to pick it up, he drops it because it's so heavy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's movie magic. The thing weighed the thing in, in actuality it weighed nothing, but you know it, in in the storytelling it was supposed to be you know too heavy for a human being to lift. You know. Yeah. So that was you, so that came across really <laughs> came across really well. You wielded it pretty easily. <laughs> um, I'm so strong. We have a caller. We have a caller on the line. Okay. That awesome. wants to ask you a question. Awesome. Let's see. Sure. If my thing will, there we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are calling from tonight? Tablada brothers. Hey, what's up, Ray? Hey, Ray. Yo, I keep on seeing that song. I was running around. Listen, you guys are so beautiful. Thank you for the DVD. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it Saturday. Saturday, I'm going to turn my phone everything over on Saturday and watch the DVD. And um, I'm ask a question. Can I speak to Mr. Yeager, please? And, 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 you know, can, can, can I give you my thanks to him, please? Yeah, I'm, I'm always here. Wait a minute. You, wait a minute. You Yeager? Yeah, that's me. I'm Uncle Jim. <laughs> Surprise. Mr. Yeager, oh, my God. <laughs> No, yo, you serious? Yo, I, no, Mr. Diego, I mean, uh, yo, oh, you know what? You made my whole Thursday. He has made my whole entire Thursday just now. I uh, appreciate it, what you did for me. I appreciate it. I'm a little focused. We, we caught the wire. We had the Texas, this is, this is, this is, June 15th. So now, let's say, Saturday, what I'm doing is, Saturday, what I'm doing is, that I'm going to keep my phone, be, no, no, be, because, because of my mom's, I'm going to keep my phone I'm going to lock up in my room and watch all this whole entire thing in one day. Nobody's not going to disturb me. No, nobody did shoot. I don't give a damn if you have a fire coming on. I am not going outside. I'm going to on Saturday <laughs> and watch the whole entire, the whole entire, the whole entire, the whole entire first season. season. I swear to God. So for our listeners, if if you guys uh, don't know what's going on, this is Ray, and Ray is a regular fan of the show. He calls in just about every week, and we are big fans of Ray. And last week, Ray called in, and he was actually, uh, as a result of his call-in last week, sent a Season 1 DVD of Strange New Worlds. And so Ray is saying that he is setting aside some time this weekend – to sit down and watch those DVDs, right, brother? Hell 
Yes. <laughs> dude, oh, I read, dude, 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 I, I wait to my mom's. I told my mom, I said, you know, I said because, because mom, I said, it's Mother's Day or Sunday, right? So I tell my wait, I wait to my mom, I said, mom, I already got your stuff already today. I'm straight. But Saturday is my day. I come, I come over to the house speaking on, on Sunday for Mother's Day. But I already told her everything else. And she told me, you too. I said, yes. I, 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 I even attend the photograph of everything. So let's say on Saturday, I'm going to sit down here. And I'm gonna watch this joint for ten hours straight with no interruptions. Okay, I, 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 okay. I already got some food for the weekend. Okay, that's it. I'm straight. I am ready to go. But let's say one Saturday, you know, those on Saturday, Saturday, my day, right? One hit is on. Don't worry about like like ten in the morning is on and popping. Well, I'm glad that you like it, Ray. We 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 love to hear from you. Thank you for Ms. being Ms. a fan. No, Ms. Do you have a Thank you. I I, I very... did really I never want, I never got anything in my life like this, but I just want to say thank you for everything. I, I, yo. Okay. No so problem. I, I, okay, okay, okay. Um, Matt, okay, Matt, the question real quick, real quick. Okay, you talking about with, uh, what's the episode of next year? The one with uh, what's it, uh, size release. You mean talking about um, that first part with Wolf and, and Racker was in the heart and fight and fight fighting the monsters and, and that fucking the, the, um, uh, was it was it um the the ass was heavy yeah he 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 he, 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 he had a hard time lifting the ass up yeah that we're we're talking to uh, we're talking to Quinn and Quinn was the stunt man that that played Wharf in that particular scene and uh, he's the one that battled the Borg as Wharf. And uh, he's right here on the phone with us. Did you did you want to ask him a question? How you doing, yeah, Ray? No, nope, that's really Quinn. That's really the guy that played Worf, not Michael Dorn, the stunt version of Worf. Yep, um, he's really can, here. Can you him to quick, please? Is it possible? Yeah, he's listening to you right now. Yeah, ask me Hello? a question. How you doing, Ray? How you doing, my brother? How you doing? Listen, doing my brother, I know, uh, yeah. I know, I know you're a stuntman on that, but yo, that fight scene, man, and who the boys, that was yo, yo, that was excellent. Oh, thank you, thank you. A lot, lot of fun, a lot of fun to work on. New York, so thank you, 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 you did, you did a, a good job on that. You really did. But I mean, I mean, I, I mean, but how many episodes? How many episodes you did um, in the summer? Because I, I said, because I see Wolf for a couple of times. Like I mean, did he did the one with um the no no uh what, what the one we um kill uh with so, um Killaw was killed, and then he told me he was in the ship talking about uh, his mate. They did uh, they did that stuff right there. I did so. I did all the I did all of Wolf stunts for season three. He wasn't on season one or two, so he was there for season three. So any, any fights, anything that you saw Worf do on there, that was uh, that was that was me, Picard. Yeah, 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 Picard. Picard. You, you are the man. Oh, thanks, you brother. Are, I appreciate you're the, you're the man. You're the man. I say, you know what? Keep keep it a good work, and I appreciate everything, guys. Let well, me I, go. I appreciate it. That's it. I call you guys. I call you guys next Thursday. Let you let you know what I say. I always told you guys on Saturday it's going to be all popping. You know what I'm saying? I'll put it on You know what I'm saying? Yes, it is. You know, and good night, everything. Like I said, Mr. Yeager, thanks for everything. I really appreciate 
Thank you, everything. Thank you. Well, thank you for being a fan, Ray. You have a good night, brother. You Take too. it easy. Bye bye. All right. Good night. All right. Bye. All right, guys, that was Ray from the Bronx, and he won a copy of Strange New Worlds last week just for calling and being a fan, and that could be you, too. Just give us a call, 646-668-2433, and we'll get you on the line, and you can talk to Quinn R. Early, who played War in Star Trek Picard Season 3. Now, I think I've taken up enough of Quinn's time, and I think that Eric might want to ask a few questions, Eric, so I'm going to pass the torch to you. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, Quinn, it's super fun to have uh, you on the show. And you've you've done so much cool stuff uh, in your career, but I do have a couple more questions about Picard itself. You were talking about how uh, you're an old-time Star Trek fan, so presumably you were uh, you know watching TNG back in the day. What was it like to actually meet Michael Dorn? Oh, it was fantastic. It was, you know, a dream, dream come true. You know, I... I get to work with a lot of actors, but there are, are, are only a few that uh, really, really impressed me. And he's definitely one of them. Extremely uh, gracious and uh, a nice man. Uh, we had some good conversations. And, uh, you know, I asked him some questions about his time on, uh, on Next Generation. And, um, yeah, it was just great talking with him, great speaking with him. That's amazing. Uh, I've never had the chance to meet him, but he seems like he'd be just kind of super chill, almost like his new version of Worf, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's funny, too, because, uh, like you said, you know, his new version of Worf, like, he's chill, but then some of the comments he makes, especially on the Picard series, was uh, <laughs> was priceless. You know, like, after he beat Rafi, and then he was making, like, some chamomile tea, and after June took sugar and the tea, you know, yeah. stuff like that. It was great. It was great. Oh, man. I we I think we're all huge fans of both the old Wharf and the new Wharf. And, you know, it, it must be so cool to kind of plug into that, you know, as somebody who got to play that character. I, I was going to ask you just on on this show and then kind of like in the wider context, what are some of your favorite or, like, most spectacular or just coolest, like, stunts you've done? So both for Picard and in your career, I mean, we can start talking about all the other things you've been in, which are, sure. are many things. But, like, yeah, what, what are some of your favorite things that you've done as a stuntman? Well, definitely, again, definitely when I got to do uh, the fight scenes that I did uh, on Picard, just because, you know, since I've been a stuntman, I remember when I first got into it, I thought to myself, Oh, I'm going to do all, I'm going to be in all kinds of Kung Fu movies and stuff like that. And it just, you know, just hadn't happened, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of other stuff, but coming, you know, but doing martial arts wasn't one of them. So to be able to do that on, on screen, um, or, 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 or doing close to it was just a pretty phenomenal experience and I loved it. So that was amazing. Um, as far as other things that I've done, a couple of my favorite things, the, 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 oh, my overall favorite project that I worked on was the movie Bright. I don't know if you saw that. It was starring Will oh, Smith. Oh, heck yeah. 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 So I got to double Will on that. And I was on, so I was, we, we were there for about five months. It was pretty grueling. It was all night shoot. So you know, it was like 5 p.m. to like 7 a.m. pretty much every night. And boy, did that take a toll. But the group of people that I got to work with, um, it was just a it was just a phenomenal experience. I absolutely loved it. 
Um, and then let's see some of the cool stuff I've done. I actually, uh, Will was challenged uh, by someone to bungee jump out of a helicopter into the Grand Canyon for his 50th birthday. So, so they had me come out and you know and test it for him to make sure he wouldn't get killed. So, um, so, so I you bungee jumped that, over the Grand Canyon. I, I gotta tell you guys, I was. That was the scariest thing I've ever done. So what do you bungee jump off of when it's over the Grand Canyon? Are you in, like, a helicopter or something? No, or? it was – yeah, it was out of a helicopter. Whoa. Yeah, so I'm so I'm standing on the hit, the skid of the helicopter facing in. They, you know, they throw the bungee out, and they yell, three, two, one, and I had to go out backwards, like the Nesty Plunge kind of thing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty, oh, man. Pretty crazy. That's too much for me. But, I mean, you must have so many moments as a stunt person where you're challenged like that, right? Where you, like, are forced to kind of, like, rise to your maximum level to just, like, push through and do the thing you need to do, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of times, you know, you'll be there and you'll say, hey, we're thinking about doing this gag. You know, are you down? I mean, what am I going to say? No? (laughs) You know what I mean? Right, right, right. You know, so yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of cool stuff. Um, but I will tell you guys, the best days of being a stuntman is when I get to work with my son. My oldest son is a is a stuntman also. So when anytime I get to work with him, those are great days. He's actually the fight coordinator on the new uh, Captain America movie. Um, wait, 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 wait. What's what's his name? We need to Google him real quick. <laughs> yeah, his, his name is Cameron. Cam, Cameron. Cameron Early. Early. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, so tell us more about how, like, did he just immediately follow in dad's footsteps or like, how did he get into that business? Well, so what happened with him was, you know, when he was a kid, um, him and his buddy used to, they walked around, they had a camera and they used to make these little movies and we'd have premiere night and, 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 uh, you know, we'd, we'd watch their movies and stuff like that. And he's just always been into movie making. So, when I got him into stunts, you know, he was like a duck in water. He just went, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. he's he's really good at what he does. And he's really good behind the camera also. So I think his his goal is to become a um, a director. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I went to uh, – the movie's being made in Atlanta, so I went to Atlanta to work with him on that. And uh, just watching him direct traffic and, you know, talk to the director and do all that stuff and uh, – Pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. So I'm extremely proud of him. Was that Bright that you worked with him on? He, Bright was actually his very first movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, so it was pretty cool watching him get a chance to do you know, his, his first uh, stunt gags and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, he's just taken off. He's just taken off from there. Well, that was a great movie. I actually enjoyed that movie quite a bit, so that's pretty cool. You said earlier that you got to play a Borg in Season 2. Also, tell us more about that. Yeah, so they called me to see if I wanted to do it, and I was like, absolutely. So I was there, and, uh, you know, I I was at the beginning uh, um, stages of my assimilation, so I only had, like, the veins going through the face. I didn't have all the cameras (laughs) on my face. Okay. I was, which I was pretty bummed about. I was like, oh, I'm like a, I'm like a beginner, you know, can I, can I at least get me, you know, medium assimilation, you know? Give me a hose. But, um, give me something. Yeah, give me something. Give me, you know, something out of my back or something, you know. But, um, but it was still it was a pretty cool experience. And um, like I said, I was fighting against Elnor, 
you know, the, the Romulan on that. Yeah. And uh, he ran me through with a samurai sword. And I was joking with him after they yelled cut. And I told him that that wasn't a, a um, uh, Hidetaki Hansu sword. I told him, you know, from Kill Bill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I told him. <laughs> I said, I said that's, not, that's not one of his swords. And he just, you know, he started laughing or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah, so that was, a, that was a, a, um, a lot of fun. That was my first experience. But then when they called me to come back and play Wharf, um, that was just simply amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be something special. Like I was saying, you've got a pretty pretty cool resume here with a lot of cool stuff on it, but would would you put Wharf just right up there in terms of stuff you've done? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right at the top. Right at the top. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, well, man, it's just such a pleasure to have you on here. I'm going to go ahead and pass the torch to Charles to make sure that I don't take all the good questions because sometimes I have a, a propensity to rattle on. So thank you, Quinn. And uh, Charles, take it away, buddy. Well, you guys kind of took care of the Star Trek point of it. I'm going to go a little back in time. How would you, Quinn, how would you go from a football player to going into <laughs> acting and stunts? <laughs> well, listen, nobody ever said I was the brightest bulb on the tree, but, um, you know, beating <laughs> up my body and stuff. But, but so, yeah, I played, I played for 12 years in the NFL. Um, that was my first career. Uh, I was drafted by the San Diego Chargers in 1988 and then uh, played most of my career for the New Orleans Saints, a few years for the Buffalo Bills, and then I finished up with the New York Jets. Um, after that, uh, worked for a sports nutrition company, just did various things, took some time off, and a, a college buddy of mine, um, we were teammates in college. He did really well in business, uh, became a hedge fund manager, and he he had a passion for movie producing. So he called me to see if I wanted to be in uh, one of his movies. And next thing I know, I was hanging out the back of a truck shooting a machine gun. And then uh, they paid me for it. And I was hooked after that. And I've been doing stunts ever since. That was about 2010. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. Well, it's an interesting combination to doing so much act, so much in stunts, and yet you throw in acting and then you st- now you're starting to throw in some writing. Well, so so my writing is kind of my exit strategy from the stunt part of it. I uh, probably about eight years ago um, I started working on a writing project, and I didn't realize how much I enjoyed writing. So I mean, I write every day. Uh, I've written probably eleven or twelve scripts. Um, I've sold a few of them and actually I just got back from Colorado. Um, uh, we just almost completed a uh, film that I wrote and I was stunt coordinator on and that's been a lot of fun, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get up there in years. So, you know, getting thrown to a plate glass window isn't quite feeling the same as it used to. So the writing only makes sense. Uh, I really enjoy it and uh, hopefully you'll get to see, uh, a bunch of my, my projects. Uh, on, on, on the screen, on the big screen. Well, we're looking forward to it. I noticed you got a lot of one episodes, two episodes here, but how'd you end up with 15 episodes on SWAT? Yeah, so when you when that happens, generally, so I, I doubled uh, Shamar Moore for two years on that show. Um, so that was just a regular job for me from 2018 to 2020. Um 
So that was a lot of fun. That was a good experience as well. Um, and then usually, generally, when you see one episode, two episodes, you know, you would be called, you call that a day, I was a day player, meaning that, um, yeah. you know, I would work either for the day or I would work maybe for the week, sometimes two weeks, just to get that one episode out, things like that. So that's what that is. But it's probably nice to have the consistency of getting those multiple episodes. You get a lot of time with that group. Yeah, Just no, like absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I enjoy it all, whether it's one day or one month or I get to be on a show for three months. Um, it's all a good experience. I have fun every time I do it. And uh, just um, I'm just appreciative for those opportunities. Well, definitely keep us up to date when some of your stuff is coming out, where it's coming out, so we can see it, so we can discuss it. Yeah, yeah I was absolutely. Say, can you if tell I us ever... more about this movie that you wrote that you were just talking about? Oh, the one that I just did. Yeah. 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 It's called so it's it's called um, RSVP, and um, it's starring Robert Richard. You probably remember him. He's he starred in like Coach Carter. The guy's been around forever. Once you see, once you punch him up and see who he is, you'll know exactly. Yeah. Yep. The actor, and then. Uh, Natasha Mark is the hero in the movie. Um, she's an up-and-coming actress. She was on several episodes of uh, Mayor of Kingstown with Jeremy Renner, which is a phenomenal show, by the way. Um, so she's an up-and-comer. And it's basically, uh, you know, she's, a, she's a, a, a former martial arts champion, but she's a waitress, and she's just your, you know, everyday girl. She gets in some trouble. She, she, you know, she's about to get kicked out of her apartment and lose her job. And she gets invited by her new boyfriend to this event in Colorado. But little does she know that the person throwing the event is seeking revenge on all of those who had a hand in his wife dying. Um, so he starts uh, fascinating pretty much all of the guests. She and then so she basically has to fight her way out of the whole situation. Um, using her martial arts skills and things like that. So that's that movie. And uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. I uh, got to coordinate a lot of great fight scenes. So that'll be one to look for. Uh, I believe that'll be, I believe they have a deal with, it's, uh, I think, Paramount. I think mm. it's going to start on uh, BET and then uh, end up on Paramount Network. And so it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Nice. Do you have a favorite weapon that you've used or that you that you know how to wield <laughs> that like yeah, probably, you know if the apocalypse came you would choose that one? <laughs> oh, if the apocalypse came, I'm I'm sword all day or maybe double sword. But <laughs> but <laughs> we're talking about apocalypse. Um but uh so but my favorite to use is we do a um it's a three section whip chain. And that's a double weapon. I really enjoy that weapon, but I'm probably best with a spear, Chinese spear. You know, it has the red tassels on it. Um, okay, so uh, so you gotta like pretend like I don't know anything about weapons because I don't. So f- talk about the first one, whip chain. What is that? It's um so this it's just imagine um three long metal uh, knives oh. that are connected by by a, a chain link in between oh, them what? and the, the the end piece is a sharp like a pointed knife 
and then you have handles on them, so you swing them, and you can, like, you know, do all kinds of stuff with them. And, but if I wow. let it out, like, I could pierce whatever I'm throwing it at while, still so, connect, while I'm still connected to it. If that so it's sense. like a, it, you can use it for both close-in stuff and, like, more range stuff? Exactly. exactly. Wow. Wow. And then, <laughs> and then talk about the, the second one. The spear, it basically looks like just what it is. It's probably about seven feet tall. It's, it, you know, it's like a, it's like a wooden staff, and at the end of it, um, it has a metal spear tip on it. And then, like, if you Google Chinese uh, spear, and then you'll mm-hmm. see, like, a red tassel that connects between the staff and the, um, and the metal point. And mm-hmm. the idea of that is for when you stab somebody, somebody mm. the, the the tassel is supposed to catch the blood so the blood doesn't come down on you ah that's what that that's yeah, why yeah. it's kind of furry yeah yeah that's why it has that fur yeah catches the catches the blood so that's that's the concept right but again like you said we'll only use it uh if the apocalypse comes right <laughs> right <laughs> but because it's because you can kill infinite zombies with it right exactly that's right that's right <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking here, and I noticed uh, a couple of movies here that I wanted to throw out so people kind of know. Just So uh, you were in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, um, which uh-huh. I loved, by the way. Uh, Olympus Has Fallen, another one that I enjoyed. SWAT we talked about. The Last Ship, uh, 911, yeah. which my wife loves to watch. Westworld. Oh, I have a funny one. one. I have a funny one about. I have a funny one about nine one one. Okay. So, I was doubling a gentleman. It was the, the the scene was he comes out of shopping with his son, and his son asks him if they could. Uh, oh, Dad, can we ride one of these scooters? You know the scooters that they leave out on the street. Yeah. So he says, "Yeah, okay." And so the scene is, it's me. And this other stuntman who's a, you know, he's a smaller stuntman, you know, so he's doubling the 13-year-old boy. He's on the front of this scooter, and we have to come flying down the hill, around the corner. We're up on the sidewalk. People are diving out of the way. It was like a Little Rascals episode. People are diving out of their way everywhere, and then we end up crashing, and my feet are sticking out of a bush. Um, <laughs> so that was, I mean, that was that was pretty funny. As you can imagine, there was a lot of laughter going on <laughs> on that one. But we also had to keep from killing ourselves, you know, flying around on that scooter. Oh my God, I can imagine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I'm oh, sorry, all over the place in Portland, man. It's like yeah. rampant here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So you you've done and I also you were also did some stunts on one of my favorite shows Grimm, I noticed as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I liked that show. So what what did you do on Ant Man and the Wasp? Uh, pretty much, um, I doubled. Um, guy, and I've worked with this guy before. Who's the new guy? He played the villain. What's his name again? Oh, Kang. He's the. Was that? Yeah, Kang. Yeah, yeah. So I doubled, I doubled him. Um, but you know, he pretty much did all the stuff. I, you know, sometimes when you work, you just test things for the actor. And some of the actors are pretty athletic. If it's light stuff, they'll do it themselves. Um, so he did most of the stuff themselves. I just helped set it up. 
and uh, you know tested everything for him. So, but yeah, it was a, that was a lot of fun. You know, great to be a part of that that project as well. And guys, our phone number here is six four six 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 eight two four three three. If you're within the sound of my voice right now, you can give a call and you can talk to Quinn. I want to take a moment. We've talked about your career and your, the awesome things that you did, but I want to I want to change gears a little bit and I want to talk to you fan to fan. And okay. um, I have a clip I want to play here uh, for you. Okay. I don't know who the hell you are. But... I am Worf, son of Moog, house of Martok, son of Sergei, house of Roshenko, bane to the Duras family, slayer of Gowron. I have made some chamomile tea. Do you take sugar? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I had to play that one just for you. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's great. As a fan, not as a stunt person, as a fan like we are, um, do you enjoy watching these shows as much as we do, or do you look at it just as work and, and you really don't, you can't really get into it because you know how fake it really is? Oh, no, not at all. I'm still, I will say that being a stuntman, you know, you look at it. So I look at it two ways now. I used to just look at it uh, from a stuntman's perspective when you watch action. So a lot of times I'll judge a, a show on that. Um, and I try to get away from that when I'm just watching it as entertainment because it kind of ruins it. Um, and then I'll also sometimes, now that I've been writing for the past eight years, you know, I'll look at the writing also. Um, so that, you know, I have, to, I have to sometimes try to put that stuff down. But, yeah, no, I really, I really enjoy it. You know, my, my only thing these days is there seems to be a lot of, you know, uh, not to get, you know, any kind of politics or whatever, but there seems to be a lot of agenda stuff on TV these days, which I don't like. You know, I, I you know, when you go back and you look at the stuff in the 90s and the early 2000s, there's none of that. And I love that, you know, it's, 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 your, it's your opportunity to escape into stuff. Um, so that I don't like. But, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a pure fan. I love everything about it. Um, I'm just now getting into Strange New World. Um, and yeah, no, it's great. It's great. I love it. I love everything Star Trek. Now, when you watched, when you sat down and watched Picard, uh, did you watch it as a fan at home, or did you see it in advance of of when the rest of us did? Yeah, no, I, I pretty much watched it as a fan at home, you know. And then when my stuff came up, I was like, oh, cool, you know. And then I, I you know, I I judged how I did, or I judged the scene. But other than that, yeah, I just watched it as a fan for sure. So when you see a scene like that with Worf making chamomile tea and asking for sugar, do, do you get a kick out of that as much as we do? Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you, another one that I loved is when they were all sitting around the table and reminiscing about how much they missed each other. And Worf says, you know, I often thought about sending you the heads of my vanquished enemies. <laughs> Yeah. Each and every one of you. I thought about sending each and every one of you the heads of my vanquished enemies, but then someone pointed out that that would be passive aggressive. 
<laughs> you know, there that is such a great scene, but there's a great oh. kind of philosophical question that comes out of that too, which is that, you know, you could pick any one of those characters and say, whose head would you send to, you know, yeah. <laughs> so-and-so? <laughs> Like yeah, I send that head to you, but that wouldn't that wouldn't have been appropriate. I'm gonna say right? this one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, the whole that that scene. So those two scenes really stood out to me. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Or when they saw, well, or, or when um, I forget who it was, but when they first saw Worf and they gave him a hug, and he started talking about his, you know, the, his right to have his personal space mm-hmm. or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, it was great. It was. <laughs> what? Did you get a chance to actually see the Enterprise D set? Yeah. What'd you think of that? Oh, it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was awesome. Got to stand on the bridge and everything. It was great. Wow. I don't know if you, do you I don't know if you watch all those extra like do you watch all the extras and stuff that are on Paramount Plus for um for the Picard series, there was that great uh Michael Okuda walk around of the Enterprise D that Will Wheaton did with him. Did you watch that? No, I didn't watch it. It was, you should check that. it out, man. As a fan, you should okay. check it out because it's really it's I don't know it's it's like forty five minutes long, but it's it's totally worth it. <laughs> All right, I'll check it. I'll check it for sure. That was ready so room. Was... Will Wheaton's ready room. With that was a fabulous walkthrough with him. Mm-hmm. That, that was. So, uh, Quinn, who's your favorite? I mean, obviously Worf, but who, who's your favorite character on Picard? That's a hard one. Or TNG. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Star Trek in general. I mean, we're we're going to talk about some Trek, so I want to pick your brain on Star Trek particularly. Yeah, that, that's you know that's that's a hard one. I can tell you my favorite. I can tell you my favorite all time episode. Yes. Okay. Yeah. My favorite all time episode is Arena when he fought the Gorn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just, and it's just so, especially when I watch it now, it's just, it's just so ridiculous. You know, it's like just run away oh. from the guy. The guy could barely walk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was all slow motion. <laughs> just ran to the other oh, side of the planet oh. and just called somebody. You know, but it oh. just every time, every time that thing comes on, man, I just stop what I'm doing and I'll sit down and watch it. And then, That's and it. then when it's over. My these these are my two words are that's great, like so good. Quinn, there's a there's a funny story with that episode. Jim was supposed to go to Star Trek Las Vegas a couple years ago, Uh, and couldn't make it, so I had to cover for the table with him. Who was sitting next to us? Bobby Clark, the one who played the Gorn. Oh, that's fantastic. He still shows up at conventions. Keep an eye out for him. That's great guy. He's got to be. How old is that guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's in a, He's up there. He's up there. But, but he man, that's shows up at conventions. That's and I love the Gorn. The Gorn well, my I favorite. Gonna, One of my favorites. I was going to say. We did that whole yeah. – we actually did a whole episode of our podcast uh, just about the Gorn, and I think that our headcanon <laughs> on the TOS Gorn versus the Gorn that we see, for example, either in Strange New Worlds or um, even in Enterprise is that there's maybe an, maybe an age thing. So you know, perhaps in TOS we actually were seeing 
uh, geriatric Gorn, <laughs> which is right. why they were, you know, moving so slowly. And yeah, know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. We had to come up with something because obviously there's a huge difference there, and we we love both. Right. So we kind of have right. to resolve it in our heads, right? <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So but as far as the character goes, I can't. It's hard for me to pick a specific character. I just, you know. Just the whole thing is just great, you know? The whole thing. You know, I'm going to have to go on eBay now and track down some of your football cards now. For sure. Yeah. Tell you what, we'll get off. Just just shoot me your address. I'll send you some. I'm going to have to get some football cards for you to put up on my wall of fame. That's awesome. With all my Star Trek stuff. For sure. Quinn, has has anyone ever asked you for an autograph? I mean, it's happened. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, I still get. Believe it or not, I still get fan mail for football. Oh, that's that's awesome. Oh, that's oh, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is uh, cool. Yeah. I played for twelve years in the NFL, yeah. so, which is a. I don't know if you're connected with time. an. I don't know if you're connected with an agent or what, but something you might want to look into is Star Trek Las Vegas. It's a Star Trek convention in October, the first okay. of October. And they 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 pick up about they're they're right now about ninety nine people so uh-huh. far. They're always looking for people involved in Star Trek. You are in Star Trek. You can get into these conventions and meet with the fans. I've been a yeah. I mean, would love to see you. Love to see Worf's double at a table and meet you in person. I, I mean, I would totally do that. Um, I just don't really know how to go about it, you know. Uh, you guys provide me with some info. Uh, it's no longer Star Trek Las Vegas. I think it's Mission this Year 57 by Creation. Well, we need to get you information. About, uh-huh. um, I'll link it over to Jim. Jim can send it over to you, but you ought to take a look at that, and that might be a great place. Okay. For us to really yeah. catch well, up with you, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm working. Doing, are, are are you? Are what's what coast are you on, Quinn? I'm on the West Coast. I'm in California, so I work in Hollywood. Okay, I I'm working with a, a convention uh, in Long Island, Trek Long Island, which is next weekend. But um, I'm working with them, and I can pass your information directly to the showrunner. If that's okay, something that you great. might be interested in, and maybe I'll meet, maybe I'll get a chance to meet you in person at next year's Truck Long Island. Who knows? Yeah, I'm actually from I'm actually from Long Island, so well, totally. per, that'd be perfect, absolutely perfect. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're pretty much wrapping up our hour here. Does uh, Eric, Charles, do you have any other questions you wanted to ask Quinn before we before we say goodbye? No, not Matt. Not really, man. I just wanted to let you know how much we appreciate you coming on the podcast, spending your time with us. Um, it's so fun to have somebody who you know not only has like done some recent really cool stuff that's related to Star Trek, but has such a a long career, you know that they've that they've done lots of and lots of experience. And and now we know about your son, so now we're going to start following his career. So just thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It was great, great, great speaking with you. Oh, yeah, we love the well, stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, before before we go, can you tell us anything that happened behind the scenes that 
maybe as fans might we might be interested in? Uh, behind the scenes on on uh, Picard, on Picard stuff that we wouldn't have seen that that you know fans might be interested in, like like does does Patrick actually drink Earl Grey tea or you know anything <laughs> like that? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, I mean, you know, again, it was just great seeing them as people um, and just conversating with some of them. And just, just you know, I was just admiring how um, how close they all are and how much they enjoyed, you know, coming back together to, uh, to make more magic, you know, within the, the Star Trek universe, you know. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing out of the ordinary or, you know, nothing crazy. Just, uh, you know, just the professionalism, but also just the courteousness and, and just, you know, truly nice people um, across the board. So it was great. And how well, I, I keep coming up with more questions. Then. How how well did, did uh, Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd uh, mesh into this family that had been together for decades? Did they just seamlessly slip right in there? Oh, absolutely. It was like they were, they just fell right into place and uh, they were, they seemed to be welcome with uh, open arms and yeah, no, it was great. It was great. Did did Michael and Michelle have this great chemistry um, as themselves that they put across on the film? They really did. You know, when we did, uh, like I said, we spent a lot of time, you know, doing workouts and, um, you know, just the, the interaction and the camaraderie they seemed to have was great. It was great. So, um, again, you know, just, you know, good, good people tend to attract one another. So it just uh, was pretty cool to watch. Yeah, that, that last scene when Worf sends Rafi's uh, medals of commendation to her family, and he, he calls her Raffaella, and he, and he gives her a hug. I, I just lost right. it. I, I, I was like, yeah, because wow. that's not something that Worf would normally do, you yeah. know. So right. So I was, and he yeah. said, well, if if I I never cried because I don't have tear ducts, you know. I was like, that whole thing was just <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, really good. Well, Quinn, I yeah, thank well. you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us and come on the podcast. So we we really really appreciate it, and we love to hear you know, from, from fans like us that are involved in the business because to know that you guys hold it in such high esteem that we do, it, it really it's really awesome to hear that. So thank you so much. No, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And and just to let you know, like some of those guys I was working with, like you asked me about, uh, um, you know, the guy who was doubling Riker. I mean, he was excited as I was, you know, and he's – we're both a little bit uh, older as far as stuntmen go. We were talking about the old series and stuff like that. So, yeah. So we're definitely fans as well as people who work on the show. That's, that's awesome because it, it, I think it comes across on the show. It just, as fans, we can, we can feel that excitement, that energy. Yeah, and, and we appreciate absolutely. it greatly. And uh, maybe Absolutely. maybe I'll have to reach out to him and see if he wants to come on and talk with us a little bit about playing Riker on Picard. You know what? Absolutely. I, I have his info, so if you want it, I can uh, definitely provide it to you. Yeah, yeah. When, when when we get off the show, I'll shoot you a message, and I can reach out to him and see if he wants to. Like you said, we don't bite. We're pretty easy to get along with, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Quinn, and we really, really appreciate it. And uh, is there anybody you want to send a shout-out to before we go? Just all the Star Trek fans out there, you know, live long and prosper. And, uh, you know, looking forward to hopefully working on some more and, uh, you know, just giving you guys some great action. Maybe maybe you'll land a role on Strange New Worlds. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, I'll, I, yep. I want to thank you so much, Quinn, for hanging out with us, and I'm definitely going to try to find a couple of your football cards to get up on my on my wall of fame. And uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us, and, and you have a good night. Absolutely. You guys do the same. Take care. Right, thank right. you. All right. Bye. Okay, guys, that was Quinn R. Early, who was the wharf of Michael Dorn's stuntman who on Star Trek Picard Season 3 did all the great stuff that Worf on the, on the series. Pretty cool. So thank you so much. And it's time to do our regular show. We kind of did things backwards tonight, but, but that's okay. So now we're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to rewind. Back to the beginning. <laughs> all right. So this is the part of the show where we do our fan shout outs. And to get mentioned on a fan shout out, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page and Eric, What's the easiest way to get to our Facebook page? The Facebook page is linked to our web page, and our web page is named after us. So all you have to do is go to the name of the podcast, trektalking.com, and thereby you can link to all the stuff that you need to link to, whether it's an old episode of ours, whether it's a Facebook page, whether it's a silly picture of Jim. Uh, that's how you get there. So uh, go to trektalking.com and all world Trek Talking shall be open to you. Everything is there. And all you need to do is link to our Facebook page and pin to the top of the page is the Live Long and Prosper. And all you got to do is tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means you're going to be featured in a future fan shout out. So uh, we don't have Paul with us tonight and we don't have David with us tonight. But that's not going to disrupt our even flow. We've worked it all out for you guys. So, Eric, you want to get us started with our fan shout-outs for this week? I absolutely do. For our very first fan shout-out this week, we're going to start right in the middle of uh, Europe there. In Germany, Tim Sonneman is saying hello to us from Germany. He says he saw his first episode back in 1972 on German TV. That's so cool, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice to know that Star Trek has been an international phenomena right from the beginning. So thank you for supporting us all the way from Europe, and we really appreciate you uh, just just a ton. Live long and prosper to you. We're also saying hello this week to top fan Glenn Durrington, who is way down under the top side in Australia. Glenn saying hi to us, and a top fan status means that he interacts with us a ton on our Facebook page and we always appreciate that, Glenn. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. We're saying hello this week as well to Chris Kit Jansen, who's in Abbotsford, British Columbia. That's 45 minutes east of Vancouver. Heck, that's only six hours north of me. That's not too far at all. And I have to tell you that uh, I've been to Abbotsford several times, and uh, BC is my favorite province personally. Nothing against the other provinces. Nothing against them. But I'm just here, uh, West Coast guy. So Chris Kitt Jansen, thank you so much for supporting us from just north of the border in British Columbia. And top fan Lydia Schumann is saying hello to us from Benoni, South 
Africa, way down there at the tip of that continent. Lydia, thank you so much for being a top fan and for being so far away. Uh, we really, really appreciate that. Isn't the Internet wonderful? Charles, I know you want to say hi to some folks. Maybe somebody in my neck of the woods-ish? Well, what, what, well, was near your neck of the woods. Jane Jean McBride. <clears throat> I'm from Sunnyside, Washington. But I'm when I was about four years old, moved to Seattle. Now they're in Aho, Arizona, living visiting the desert. It's a lovely life. Looked it up. That's west uh, Tucson, towards the Mexican border. Top fan Craig. Tyler Muir from Gainesboro, Florida, out towards our friend Mark's area. Another top fan, Jerry Bradford from Idaho. Glad to see you both, a couple of our top fans getting recognized. James Taylor from West Virginia. I've got family near the border of West Virginia, in fact. And since I won't go with the old joke, Dave, with the old joke, Dave's not here. Top fan Ronald Miller from Georgia, USA. Fred Herring also from Georgia, USA. Friends of Ronald Miller. Oh, the one I just mentioned. Good friends for over forty years. So we got a couple of friends popping up on our top thing, on our list. Uh, Gagi. Oh boy, Eric, help me with I that think one. I'm going to go Condelwa. Jagi Condelwa. From Wisconsin, live near Virginia, trying to escape. Yeah, the weather in Wisconsin's been kind of crazy this year, so I understand. And last on that list is top fan Richard Dunn. From San Francisco, California. Oh, I got a couple of friend, good friends in the San Francisco, uh, Sacramento area. I need to get myself over to uh, the Bay Area one of these days soon. I need to visit the Bay Area, go South Bay. I got some North Bay stuff I want to go do. Maybe go looking for some whales, some nuclear vessels. So, <laughs> some Starfleet headquarters, that's, future. Exactly. <laughs> Across the bay, Alameda. The Golden Great Bridge. Oh, I forgot. They're not there yet. So, Eric, who's on Paul's list? Well, Paul would have welcomed Eduardo da Costa this week, uh, who's saying hello to us from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, one of those amazing places. Uh, You always know when you're looking at Rio de Janeiro uh, in photos, very, very picturesque place, uh, very beautiful place. So Eduardo da Costa, thank you for supporting us from down in South America. Also saying hello this week to Boris Salvador Sanchez Tapia. I report from my Batifortezela uh, of the Quadrant Trekkie Cerilios Chile. I just absolutely massacred that word, but I understand that you're saying hello from Cerilios Chile. And Chile is one of those cool places that's also in South America that looks like it has an amazing coast, amazing mountains, amazing food, amazing people. Boris, thank you so much for supporting us from Chile. 
Also saying hello this week to top fan David Rojas Vargas. Greetings from Guayaquil, Guayaquil, Ecuador, uh, which I think I have some friends uh, actually in Guayaquil, if I'm not mistaken. Not to mention Trekkies here in my country, so difficult to find another Trek fan here. All my friendships come from internet around the world. The only fans I found are over 50 years old. No young fans here. <laughs> interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, well, perhaps, David, that uh, gives you reason to go out and become a prophet of new Star Trek. <laughs> Spread the word, my brother. Spread the word. And thank you for supporting us from Ecuador. And we're also saying, finally, uh, on my list, uh, hello this week to Rosalind Vermeeren from Belgium. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's where the Muscles from Brussels is from. And Rosalind, I know you love your Star Trek, and maybe your Van Damme. Not sure. Thank you so much for listening to us. Jim, who do you want to say hi to? Yeah, I want to wrap up our fan shout-outs with these awesome fans. We want to say thank you so much to Danko Mustang who's listening to us in Madison, Indiana, originally from Southern California, been a fan since the early 70s. I also want to say thank you to top fan Crystal Sherman Rausch, who says she's living in Charlotte, North Carolina, USA, grew up in Southeast Wisconsin, grew up with TOS reruns and animated series, became a convicted, or a convicted, yeah, <laughs> which I think is funny, like meaning that, you know, uh, she was blamed and she's guilty and she's proud of it. <laughs> yeah, my, my convicted next-gen-her when, when TNG came out and hit the cons in college, trying to catch up with DS9, Voyager, and the new stuff, except for Picard. Don't let Earl, don't, don't, let, don't let Quinn hear that. <laughs> thank <laughs> you for being a top fan, Crystal. We also want to say thank you to Jim DiPietro, who's listening to us from North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And last but definitely not least, hailing from Reading, Pennsylvania, where he says he's freezing cold, is Jim Hammer. Thank you so much for being a fan. We appreciate it. And if you guys want to hear your name mentioned on the future fan out, just head over to our Facebook page and tell us where you're listening to. All right, guys, that finishes up our fan shout outs. And now it's time to do our Star Trek birthdays, which means we have to hear from Worf. That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys, every week we start out our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we have six members of our Star Trek community that we're going to be remembering. Uh, the first is actor Roger Perry. Uh, he was the actor who played John Christopher in the original series first season episode, Tomorrow is Yesterday. Um, Roger began acting in 1958 uh, in the movies and then got into TV just a year later and actually worked steadily until the early 90s. Um, and he amassed nearly 100 movies, series, and guest starring roles over that amazing career. Um, 
it's kind of funny because his characters could be sized up on odd occasions as shifty types, dopers, or nervous weaklings, but they are also just as often down-to-earth cops, doctors, or middle echelon military types. Uh, he's done a little bit of sci-fi in his past, and uh, when he wasn't acting, actually later in his career, he got involved in a little bit of composing and songwriting, um, composing and songwriting for Los Angeles theater productions, including a mid-1980s musical version of George Bernard Shaw's You Never Can Tell, which featured his future wife, Joyce Bouliffant. So Roger Perry... Uh, playing John Christopher in that original season, first season episode. Would have had a birthday this week, um, May 7th. Happy birthday, Roger. And lots of love and remembrances going out to you. Also saying happy birthday this week and sending out lots of love to Marva Hicks. Uh, Marva Hicks, we lost just last September uh, and a little too early, uh, you know, age 66 years old. Um, and it hasn't been that many months. She was an actress and singer from Petersburg, Virginia, who played Tapel. And if you remember Tapel, she is, of course, the wife of Tuvok. Um, she showed up in a couple of episodes, Star Trek Voyager second season episode, Persistence of Vision, and the seventh season episode, Body and Soul. Also an actress and composer, uh, known for such films as Virtuosity and Labor Day. Prior to Star Trek, she had several guest spots on shows like Sister, Sister and Mad About You and played Principal Jakara for the 1997 to 1998 season of One Life to Live, as well as acting in several major Broadway plays. Uh, later in her career, she focused a little bit more on her singing talents than her acting talents and was one of Michael Jackson's backup singers in his last world tour, which is pretty darn cool. Uh, previously, she had also backed up such famous performers as Stevie Wonder, Whitney Houston, Houston and James Ingram. Um, and as I said, just lost last year, Marva Hicks was a real talent, uh, just did a ton of different stuff in her life, and uh, we do miss her. So happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Marva Hicks, the one and only Tapel. Happy birthday as well to Billy Quinn. Billy Quinn uh, was the actor who appeared as David McCoy in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Jim, who is David McCoy? That last name sounds familiar, but maybe some people don't know who David is. Well, I got to tell you, you'll hear me say on this podcast, and if you meet me in person, that Star Trek V is one of my favorite movies, and this is one of the reasons why. He plays McCoy's father, and when Cybok tells him to share his pain, he flashes back to this scene where his father, I don't remember what disease, he was dying from some disease that they couldn't cure. I don't remember what it was, but it does, that's not important. Anyways, McCoy ends up euthanizing his father, and then some short time later, they find a cure for the disease that killed him. And that, mm -hmm. that whole scene with McCoy, I, I, in my opinion, probably one of the most powerful and one of the best scenes I've seen in Star Trek. Uh, DeForest Kelly just nailed that scene uh, with his father. And it's one of my favorites. And I like the way they film it with the way, the way Cybok kind of steps in and out of the scene. And there's a little glowing uh, lantern right above his head, the way it's lit. I think, I think William Shatner did a phenomenal, phenomenal job capturing the emotion in that scene. It's 
one of my favorites. So, um, yeah, there you have it. <laughs> no question. That's a great scene. Bill Quinn playing then, uh, of course, McCoy's father. And, uh, yeah, definitely right up there. Um, he has Star Trek connections. He has other connections. Uh, he's perhaps best known for his roles on four different television series. Um, he was Sweeney the bartender on The Rifleman back in the day. He was Dr. Melnitz on The Odd Couple. Uh, he was Dr. Van Renneslauer on All in the Family and the spin-off series Archie Bunker's Place. And then uh, he was also uh, in another television series. But not only that, he was in a bunch of Alfred Hitchcock movies back in the 60s, including The Birds, which I think is pretty darn cool. Um, Bill Quinn's last acting appearance was his uh, portrayal of, of McCoy's dad in Star Trek V. Um, we lost him back in 1994, just, just not too long after that movie. And another uh, interesting acting connection, Bill Quinn was the father-in-law of Bob Newhart as well, married to um, his daughter. So happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to actor Bill Quinn. Also saying happy birthday this week to John Lormer. John Lormer was a character actor who made three appearances on Star Trek, the original series. First, he played Theodore Haskins in The Cage and uh, The Menagerie, Part 1. He played Tamar in The Return of the Archons. And he played an old man in For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky, which is still one of the best named episodes as far as I'm concerned. I love that name. Um, you know, he's one of the only people to play, actually the only person to play two completely unrelated Star Trek, the original series characters who were both murdered by computers that oversaw their societies for trying to reveal key information to Captain Kirk, Spock, and Dr. McCoy. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme here. <laughs> Tomorrow in Return of the Archons and that unnamed old man in For the World is Hollow, uh, both in very similar spots uh, from a writing standpoint. So uh, John also had several film and television roles, over 150, including many, many John Wayne films along the way. Um, his television appearances range from soap operas to shows like The Untouchables and Mission Impossible. In fact, he showed up in a ton of Desilu Studio productions uh, along the way as well because he was friends with some of the gang, shows like Mission Impossible and other things. Uh, he was in a few movies along the way. Uh, the ones that kind of stood out to me were he was in The Singing Nun from 1966, and he was also in 1982's classic, as far as I'm concerned, George A. Romero's Creep Show. So John Lormer lost back in 1986 at the age of 79 years old. Happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to him. Also I love happy that birth- movie, by the way. It's a Creep Show's so good, isn't it? it I just it, like it's, it's yeah. great. When yeah. he's, bang, he, he's the one that wants his birthday cake, and he's banging yeah. on, where's my cake? That's him. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> I, I, in fact, cool. speaking of 1982 and Creepshow, there's a new series coming out on, uh, I think it's on Fox, um, and it's called Geek, and it's, it's a four-episode series about the movies that molded us in 1982, oh, including cool. classic like, for instance, Creep, Creep Show, Show. Blade Runner, oh, oh, yes. The Thing, oh, my okay. gosh. Cool. 
came out in 1982 that molded some minds like myself, and they're making a four-episode, uh, I don't know, miniseries about the movies that molded us in 1982, and it's called Geek 1982. I can't wait to see it. Every movie that they mention, I saw at the theaters when they first came out, right there in the front row. Creep Show is one of them. So, that's oh my gosh. Cool. That's amazing. I cannot wait to look that show up. Yeah, what a great little piece of information. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> and actually, actually, Tron, <laughs> just to tell you how old I really am. Oh, yeah. Was the first, the first date that I went on with my wife, Karen, I took her to see Tron. And to this day, she hates that movie. Absolutely. <laughs> passion. She said it was the boringest movie she ever saw. She hated it. Even oh when I pop gosh. it up a while, she'll up and go out with the garden or watch talk. It was our first date. So, yep, there you have it. Wow. <laughs> well, let me have five. Oh, man. Well, uh, I'm going to have to go watch Creep Show again because I remember that movie so well, and I can't wait to see it again. And John Lormer uh, would have had a birthday just here May 7th, just a few days ago. So thank you, John. <laughs> thank you for your contributions, both to Star Trek and classic uh, other movies and television shows that you participated in. Uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday as well to actor David Hurst. Uh, David Hurst lived to the ripe old age of 93 years old, an actor who portrayed Ambassador Hoden in the original series third season episode, The Mark of Gideon. Um, David has a very interesting story. I wanted to go on his personal story just a little bit on this one. He was born Heinrich Theodor Hirsch to a German Jewish family and moved to Northern Ireland at the age of 12. You can guess why. Uh, it was the late 30s. Uh, he was among nearly 10,000 children who were rescued from the Nazi uh, from the Nazi like invasion of that time by the British government's Kinder Transport program. Uh, at that time, he changed his name to David Hurst and started appearing in uh, a bunch of uh, both television, uh, films, and then sort of like uh, war propaganda stuff uh, for the British, which was interesting. Went on to appear in a number of British television series and movies, and then in 1957 moved to the United States. Uh, and once he moved to the United States, he started showing up in shows like Mission Impossible and The Mod Squad and Charlie's Angels. And then later on in life, he returned to Germany in the early 1990s uh, and then moved to Austria, living in Vienna uh, and his city of birth for the rest of his life. Uh, retired from acting in 2000. So I just think that's such a great story. Somebody who escaped the horrors of that time, was able to move to Great Britain, make a career for himself, uh, move to the United States, uh, live out the kind of like golden years of his life, and then go back home and, and finish it off um, on his home soil. So just a beautiful, beautiful story. And David Hurst, uh, what a great contribution to Star Trek and the Mark of Gideon as well. Happy birthday and remembrances going out to you. And guys, our final remembrance this week goes out to actor Kevin Peter Hall. Um, Kevin Peter Hall, uh, an actor who unfortunately died uh, way too early in life, uh, he was an actor who portrayed Leor in TNG's third season episode, The Price. Um, 
this guy was really big, seven foot two inches tall. He was the tallest actor ever to perform in any Star Trek movie or series. Yes, he's bigger than Mr. Hom. Um, he had been early on considered for two other roles, Data and Geordi LaForge. Uh, so that, we could have had a super tall Data or a super tall Geordi La, LaForge. His enormous stature landed him, of course, numerous roles in films as monsters or aliens, um, including Harry the Sasquatch in 1987's film Harry the Hendersons. But I think the role that you really want to talk about was that same year, 1987. That's right. Kevin Peter Hall was the Predator himself, also appearing in 1990's sequel, Predator 2. Jim, how cool is the Predator in Predator? I, I just I can't I cannot tell you how cool that I, I wish Paul was here because Paul would tell I know. you how cool that Paul is. would freak out. Yeah, I'm just like get to the chopper, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's you know talking about the '80s, you know, heroes like 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, you know. Um, these guys were like ruling the silver screen back in the eighties and the early nineties and predator is one of those movies. And he, yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to believe that he played predator and Harry in the Hendersons too, because they're completely different type of genres, but yeah, he did. Yeah. And yeah. Totally awesome. different. And it, and in fact, one really cool thing about his role in Predator is that not only did he appear behind the mask and in the suit and all that kind of stuff, but you can actually see him in the original Predator without his costume on. He is also the helicopter pilot at the end of the movie. So Kevin oh. Peter Hall, check him out again. Uh, you get a little shot of him not in costume there. Um Interestingly enough, the character of the Predator uh, went through many development stages back then, including one version that was set up for Jean-Claude Van Damme to play a martial arts fighting Predator. <laughs> and finally, uh, they decided on that crab-like humanoid monster seen in the, uh, in the movie. The producers realized that much of their human cast were bodybuilders over six feet tall. Van Damme was clearly smaller, and thus they cast uh, Hall who was enormous as the predator so that he could actually still tower over all of the other actors who were over six feet tall. <laughs> yeah, so they, there you they, go. Yeah. There Sometimes were some pretty big dudes in predator. Um, pretty big dudes. And Arnold. he's bigger and he's bigger. Carl <laughs> Weathers was in that movie as well. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm going to have to go watch that now. <laughs> when I, I, I think to watch I might. That. I think I might wow. as well. So, yeah, wow. Kevin Peter Hall um, unfortunately lost back in 1991, only at the age of 35 years old. But I, I do think that this uh, uh, is something that you know sometimes happens to, to, to people who are super tall, but that's actually not what happened to, to Kevin. Unfortunately, um, he was actually in a massive car accident uh, in 1990. And he received a blood transfusion as a result. And this was, as you remember, the time before we kind of understood all of the things that could be passed via blood. And he unfortunately contracted AIDS as a result of that blood mm -hmm. transfusion from the car accident. 
and died just a year later um, because we didn't we didn't have good treatments for AIDS back back then. So um, on, just really a tragic, tragic story. A guy who had special talents, uh, obviously had a body that gave him the ability to play many characters that not many people could play. Um, so just uh, our hearts go out to Kevin Peter Hall and his family lost way too early. Would have had a birthday this week, just a couple of days ago, May 9th, 1955 was his birthday. So uh, lots of love, lots of remembrances and hugs going out to Kevin Peter Hall, the original Predator, and also Leor in Star Trek. And that, guys, uh, does it for our Remembrances Week. So I'm going to pass this flaming birthday candle, which is already burned down a little bit, but I think there's still some light huh. over to Charles. Yep, well, thank you. Let's start off with Alan Dale, who played the Romulan Praetor herein in Star Trek Nemesis. Has also showed up in roles in NCIS, Lost, West Wing, 24. Gregory Lee Henry is an actor and musician from Lakewood, Colorado. He portrayed Sona Subhadar Galton in Star Trek Insurrection. He also played Zokan in Star Trek Enterprise Second Season Dawn. One of the roles we've seen him in is shown up in Guardians of the Galaxy. All three episodes, including the current one, one, two, and three. Solom Jin, best known for her portrayals of female changing in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, 15 episodes. She also portrayed the uh, the changeling in Star Trek Online. Uh, appeared in the TV series Superboy as Martha Kent, and was in the Green Lantern movie. Gregory B. 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 Koff, Croft played Mickey D. in Star Trek's Next Generation second season episode The Royale. Known for quite a few soap operas in the 80s. Sonia San played Gabrielle Burnham, Burnham in the second, third, and fourth season of the series episodes of Star Trek. Discovery. Five different episodes. And then my last one seemed rather interesting until I started looking him up. And it's like, okay, take a deep breath. Happy birthday to our favorite Cardassian, Gal Dukat, Mark ah, Alimo, play, uh, who played Gal Dukat in 35 episodes of, D- of Star Trek's Deep Space Nine. But that wasn't his sole work. He spent a lot. To, he spent many episodes in Star Trek: Next Generation. Season 1, Episode 6, he played Bandar NDD in Lonely Among Us. Season 1, Episode 25, The Neutral Zone, playing Commander Tabak. Season 4, Episode 12, The Wounded, playing Gull Massette. Season 5, Episode 26, Time Zero, playing Frederick LaRoque. 
So he spent a lot of time popping on Next Generation before he spent the extensive role he did as Goldacott. The Cardassian that we grew to dis to really hate for what he did in that series. But he was such a good villain. He was Anybody great. want to comment on fun. Mark? I don't know. Uh, Leslie has nothing but praise uh, to say about him when they worked together on set. She said he was just a gentleman all the way around, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So Paul isn't here. So now so we're going to – Hold on, Jim. Since Paul's not here, Eric's going to get the flaming candle back, and it's getting a little low. <laughs> So watch your fingertips and let's hear some more birthdays. Oh my gosh! But the candle. But, but I want to. I want to. I want to do the next one here since Paul's not here, Uh-oh. because he was in one of my favorite TV shows. So I want to. I want to jump in and do him. We want to say happy birthday to John Reese Davies, and he's played so many excellent characters through his awesome career. Uh, we're mentioning him for playing the holographic. Recreation of Leonardo da Vinci in Star Trek Voyager's third season episode, Scorpion, and the fourth season episode, Concerning Flight. But, but, for me, um, he was in Sliders, which is is one of my favorite sci-fi television shows, um, mid-90s, I believe it was. But he also was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, of course, Lord of the Rings. And he's just been so many great characters that I've grown up watching him play that uh, I'm just I'm thrilled to wish him a happy birthday. So happy birthday to John Ray's Davies. And, Paul, I'm sorry, Eric, you want to do some living birthdays now? Yeah, absolutely. I love doing living birthdays every once in a while. And John Reese davies he's a good one, man. Uh, I can't believe he was in Star Trek. That's so – I remember when he showed up in Scorpion, I was like, what's happening right now? But yeah, uh, let's let's move to the modern era here, and we'll talk about happy birthday to Santiago Cabrera. Uh, yeah, that's right. The Venezuelan-born Chilean-British actor who played Cristobal Rios in the first and second seasons of Star Trek Picard. What a cool character and what a cool actor and what a cool guy. Uh, I love Santiago Cabrera. He's kind of like the, um, what, the, he's like the Han Solo of <laughs> Star Trek Picard, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is is really, really cool. Um, he's got a great relationship uh, with a bunch of different people throughout the series in his two seasons. So, uh Thank you for being part of the family, Santiago, and I hope to be able to meet you one day. So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to actor Richard Cox as well, an actor from New York, New York, who played the role of Kirill Finn in Star Trek The Next Generation's third season episode, The High Ground. Happy birthday, Richard Cox. Happy birthday as well to John Rashad Kamel, who made his film debut as the Vulcan commander Sonak in the original series uh, motion picture. That's right, Star Trek the motion picture. We get to see that Vulcan Starfleet officer um, in operations, if I uh, am not mistaken. Uh, so happy birthday, John Kamal. Happy birthday as well to Amy Hill 
Amy Hill voiced Dr. Jago in the Star Trek Prodigy first season episode, Masquerade. Amy, thanks for joining the family so recently. Uh, I have to tell you, we on the podcast are big fans of Star Trek Prodigy, and uh, we hope to hear your voice over and over again in the show. And my final uh, birthday here is a big one, and uh, I must admit that I am, while I was jealous about John Reese davis I'm just as excited to say happy birthday to this woman um, for so many reasons. Happy birthday uh, to a fantastic actress, an Iranian actress, who in Star Trek terms appeared as Commodore Paris in Star Trek Beyond, uh, Shorey Agdashlu. Uh, she is something else. Uh, not only was she in Star Trek, but I, of course, more recently absolutely love her in the role of uh, Christian uh, Avasarala in The Expanse, uh, president of it all, making the hard decisions, swearing like a sailor. Uh, <laughs> just absolutely love her character. Um, she was also in 24, which I was a huge fan of back in the day um, when it was on. So, yeah, just a really, really talented actress. You should look her up if you don't know much about her career. She has kind of like two careers um, where she was involved in a bunch of stuff in, in kind of back in the day and more of her homeland times, but then, you know, moved and was able to open up her career a lot. So lots of cool stuff in there uh, for sure. Happy birthday to you and so cool that you're part of the Star Trek family. But Jim, I know you've got just a few more birthdays to finish this out here, don't you? Yeah, I wanted to get back to her for a second. So she plays Commodore Paris. We know mm-hmm. that Tom Paris' father was an admiral. Do you think there's a connection there? Yeah, well, I always assumed that there was simply because of the last name, but I know that sometimes Star Trek does that, right? They bring up last names and then they sort of drop them and maybe they get used later and there's really no connection. But I always kind of headcanon that there was. Yeah, I, I like to think that there was as well. I just wanted to throw that on out there, guys. All right, so I've got a few birthdays here. Not not a lot, but I do have a few. So uh, we want to say happy birthday to Melinda Cuella, a former model who portrayed Soren in the Star Trek The Next Generation 15 episode, The Outcast. Um, wow, what what can you say about that episode? Um, oh, wow. That, Why can't you? Just, I mean, that's – Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just That's one of those like, episodes that you have to that you have to see um, along with, you know, so many because it, uh, to me TNG was kind of one of those series that was on the cutting edge. And while uh, you know a lot of people claim that they could have gone a little further, and I don't deny that. That's also with hindsight, and you got to understand that you know, twas the twas the way of the times. But the Outcast is such a great episode that reaches past that barrier. I think a little bit. You know, Riker, or excuse me, Riker. Um, uh, Jonathan Frakes actually wanted a male to be cast in that part because he felt like that would actually hit a little harder. And um, the TV studio felt like that was a little too edgy. And so they ended up casting a female in that androgynous uh, role so that it was less awkward when Riker kisses them. So Interesting facts. TNG doing it right, but maybe could have gone a little further. Thank you, Discovery, for picking up the torch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, definitely. And uh, we also want to say happy birthday to Brian Cousins. He appears in TNG episodes Descent Part 1 and Part 2 as Croesus. He 
He also appeared in the Next Generation episode, The Next Phase, playing Param. He's a Romulan. Happy birthday to Brian Cousins and Joanne True. We want to say happy birthday to Melanie Nichols King, who played Admiral Drake in the Star Trek Discovery first season episode, The War Without, The War Within. I don't remember. Good, evil. What do you think? Good, evil. Uh, Oh, gosh. I'd I'd have to look that one up again. I don't remember off the top of my head. Admiral Drake, I feel like, is one of those kind of minor admirals, but I I might be sticking my foot in my mouth by saying that. (laughs) I I think, think if I'm not mistaken, and I probably am, I think she is one of the um, one of the uh, admirals that's on the uh, the bridge there. Um, yeah, she like shows up in like a in like a holograph or something, but you don't actually. Yeah, yeah. You don't I think that's when they wasn't wasn't that when they came back from the mirror universe. Yeah, it was. And they so weren't I don't sure know if they were real or not. I just don't think yeah. we get enough time with her to know whether she was good or not. You know, I'm assuming she was because she wasn't revealed as evil. So. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I also want to say happy birthday to Nancy Hauer, actress, screenwriter, producer, and director who played Ensign Samantha Wildman in eight episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Happy birthday. Uh, the next one is, is a really good one for me. We want to say happy birthday to Meg Foster, and I wish Paul was here. Uh, Meg Foster played Onaya in the Star Trek Deep Space Nine fourth season episode, The Muse, but for me... For me personally, um, I know and love her as Evil Lynn and He-Man and the Masters mm-hmm. of the Universe. Itself. <laughs> and uh, oddly enough, uh, Robert, uh, Robert McDonough or um, uh, uh, Tom Paris, was it Robbie McDonough? Robbie? Well, uh, Ron, Ron, the actors. Robbie, Robbie, Ronnie, something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The guy that played Tom Paris stars in that movie as well. Robin so little... McNeil. Yeah, that's it. Yep, that's it. That's it. He's in that movie as well. And also, she's in another one of my favorites and as an evil character as well. She's in John Carpenter's They Live. And mm-hmm. she's the tree that turns them into the alien uh, that are taking over the planet through greed. So happy birthday. Well, my... and... Jim, she was in episode of Sliders too, bud. <laughs> what? Oh, she, okay. was, she, she was in an episode of Sliders, and she was in an episode of Xena, which is one of my favorites as well. She's got a very distinctive look to her. You you would recognize her, her eyes. If you saw her her yeah, eyes her are eyes amazing. Yeah. And uh, I always save the Klingons for last if I have any, and and this week I do. Uh, we want to say happy birthday and kafla. Uh, to Michael Bannock, who played the Klingon K-Lest actor in the Star Trek The Next Generation 7th season, episode Firstborn. This is the episode where uh, young Alexander goes with Worf, and Worf's trying to teach him the ways of the Klingon. And they go down to this festival, and there's this actor pretending to be K-Lest, and Alexander beats him with the ballot. <laughs> and Worf's trying to no, that's, that's not, we're not supposed to do that. And uh, that's the scene we're talking about. So um, happy birthday to, uh, to Michael Danik, who played K-Less. And that pretty much would wrap up our show right here for a minute. Um, 
Uh, Jim, I would, I put in a comment in our notes. I got a suggestion to finish our show off. How about we discuss the writer's strike? You know, I wanted to ask Quinn about that because he's a writer. Um, and I, I didn't want to get into the politics of the thing, so I, I decided not to. But one of the interesting things, first of all, the writer's strike is not going to affect people are worried about this. It will not affect Strange New World Season 2. That's been done, finished, in the can. We will see that starting on June 15th in its entirety, no disruption. So that's, we don't have to worry about. It will also Um, not affect Discovery because Discovery is so far into production that they're just not going to do any script editing. So that that so they can get that into final production. And uh, from what I've been reading, it will not affect Prodigy or Lower it, Decks, uh, oddly it, enough, because there's a different – there are two writers' guilds. I did not yep. know. But animation there are is its own. Animation, That's animators right. are in their own guild, and yep. they're not on strike right now. So all animation is all animation is still active. Now, now that we've got that out of the way, there is a Star Trek show that will be affected and currently is being several. affected. Strange New Worlds season three has been stopped. Um, they were filming. They they started filming them concurrently with season two, and when the strike started it stopped. So we don't know if that's going to change, if that's going to delay the premiere of season three of strange new worlds or how far into it they were when the strike, I, I, I don't know at this point, but strange new Worlds season three has stopped. They do film it in Canada. So people were thinking maybe it won't affect uh, strange new worlds because they film in Canada, but there is a Canadian, um, I don't know what you call it, wing, version, branch, arm, whatever, of the Screen Actors Guild in Canada. And they have chosen to support the writer's strike. So they have stopped work in Canada as well. So Strange New World Season 3 has been put on hold for now. But but this also affects because... Starfleet Academy is still in early writing, which means that is on hold. Section 31's movie is on hold because of the writer's strike. Also, with the push to try getting Legacy, uh, a motion to get Legacy going, that would also have to be on hold because the need of writers in all three of those. Also, if we were to do a movie, that movie is also going to be on hold, Star Trek IV. Well, yep. all we can hope, you guys, is that, um, is that people are listening and that the strike is effective because I think that, yeah. um, you know, I don't want to – I absolutely am not going to get into politics, but one of the things that, you know, at least we in the United States really – pride ourselves on is the ability of workers to assemble 
and, you know, fight for their own rights. And all we can hope is that this doesn't last as long as the writer strike from the late 80s, which, if you remember, was the mm-hmm. longest in history. It was 153 days long, um, and we got a lot of, uh, frankly, bad Star Trek out of that era. <laughs> I was going to mention, we can do a look at the review. Yeah. Impromptu Cadet Review. How has the, how has the writer's strike previously affected Star Trek? Yeah. 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 yeah so. If Paul was here, he would agree that it gave us probably the best Star Trek episode ever. I mean, the best. If you were only going to watch one Star Trek episode in your entire life and nothing else, you would have to watch Shades of Grey. Absolutely, by far, leaps and bounds above everything, the best Star Trek episode ever. And that was a product of the writer's strike. And if you have a hard time reading sarcasm, um, Jim is flashing and basically lighting on fire with sarcasm right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you guys, I think that generally speaking, we we on the podcast absolutely um, support workers' rights, and we hate that there has to be a strike because strikes suck, and they affect all sorts of things like local economies and restaurants and things that are like connected to people working in a in a city and that kind of stuff so uh end it let's talk about it let's let's do it let's get it over with and get back to work here man and reminder season two season two seasons usually had 26 episodes we only got 22 and one of the reasons that there's a sarcasm about shades of gray was because that episode took a lot of flashbacks from previous episodes of Next Generation to cut down the writing on it so that they get that episode released. Yeah, the number of clip shows shows in general produced during that time was pretty high. So I'm I'm not big on the strike, but from what I have been able to understand and deduce from my limited involvement with it is that there's a a couple of stipping really sticking points that caused the strike. And I think fans are going to relate to a couple of these. The biggest one is 10 episode seasons and less because the way the contracts, and again, I don't understand exactly how it works, but with residuals and that type of thing, when they're only doing 10 episodes or, or less, eight or six in a season, writers don't get, make the kind of money that they would make on a 26-episode season, which is what apparently what the contracts were all based on was broadcast television length and not streaming. They're, it hasn't been adjusted for streaming for what I understand. So they're losing a lot of money because they're only doing 10 episodes. Uh, the other thing is that when you go into syndication and shows show on television, like H and I will show reruns of star Trek or whatever, they get residuals for those, for those showings. However, there are no residual replays on streaming because it streams. It's not aired. So that's another sticking point that they have. They feel that they should get paid when a streaming show is watched. If you watch Picard season three, eight times, 
they feel that they should get paid for that and not just once. That is another one of the sticking points. Uh, another one, which I don't fully understand, uh, is the size of the writing rooms. They have something called a mini writing room and then a writing room. And apparently a writing room is like 15 or 20 writers. They sit around, they nail out a script, they make changes, whatever. A mini writing room would be if they turned around and said, hey, Jim, Eric, Charles, we want to do a show on the Gorn. Uh, can you guys come in and give us some ideas on the Gorn? And the three of us get together, nailed out some ideas on the Gorn, and then they said, thanks, guys, and they let us go. And then they came back and they filmed a, a series called The Gorn and brought in a full writing room, and they got paid for producing the show, but we didn't because we were on a mini writing room. So uh, I guess that's another sticking point of the contract. So uh, a lot of the things that they're on strike over, I, I, I agree with. You know, why yeah. should the studio make make all the money off the backs of the writers? It, 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 look, well, look at baseball. Well, and, 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 you know, yeah. people complain yeah, no, about right. baseball. Why should a baseball player make $100 million? No one is worth $100 million. I agree with that theory, but when the team that they're playing for is making billions of dollars off of that person's name, why shouldn't that person get the cut of what they're making off their name? It's the same idea here in my mind. So I support them. Yeah. I mean, I think this is just one of those classic cases, where the, the, um, you know, the, the, the law and everything hasn't necessarily caught up to the technology. I mean, this is a, a spot that we're sort of in, in a lot of respects, if you want to, you know, dig into it a little bit, our technology te- has a tendency to advance more quickly than our ability to adapt to it socially. And this is one of those times, I think, when the technology adapted, uh, people cut cable years ago, um, 10 episode seasons, as you said, became a regular thing and the contracts weren't updated as a result. And there's no way that people could have foreseen that in the past, that that would be the way that things would go. And so we're just at a point where things need to be renegotiated and rethought about and making sure that people are getting paid for their creative ideas at all levels. Well, I think when the original contract, the last contracts were written, we might have had Netflix, but Netflix was releasing. You were buying, you were renting DVDs. But when Netflix started creating their own series, such as Stranger Things, and then Amazon started coming in doing original productions, we started getting CBS slash now Paramount Plus and Disney. And all these different ones are doing original productions. Those original productions are different from what we normally see on a regular air TV or cable channel, especially with the limited, more limited series. There's well, not as many episodes. And it's interesting, Charles, because you're right. Whereas, you know, a television, uh, you know, channel like FX, for example, may have produced like something in the past, and it's sort of like made for made for cable television so right. to speak you know now we're getting things that are being produced by movie studios at 12 million dollars per episode um i mean that's a that's a different ball game there's no question it's yep. a different ball game and 
And so if people are spending $12 million an episode, it seems to me the writers of those episodes deserve to make more than they made in a $1 million episode, you know? Especially when series are successful. Look at the success of them. They, they may get not as much, but if the series goes successful, I think they deserve a little bit of recognition, some money, money earnings from the fact that that series is being successful. There's a and difference you know between making That's some right. of these shows that that get created and last a season and don't go anywhere. There's a difference from what you do is writing something like Picard and third season, the biggest season in there, that's gotten a lot of attention. I think people want residuals from that attention. They deserve Absolutely. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that. I I think it's going to be over pretty quick. Yeah. Personally. We can hope. Because these streaming, they they want to get back to streaming. They want to get their subscriptions up. I and and I think they're going to want to get this over pretty quick. And, well, and, we're just you know. we're just getting momentum, Jim, post COVID right now, right? Yeah. And people people don't want to slow that momentum down. I don't think. Yeah. No, absolutely not. So guys, uh, we have a few minutes left, and there. I, I just want to one more time. I want to tell you guys about Trek Long Island, and I want to play this awesome spot that Eric put together for us. Trek Talking would like to invite you to attend Trek Long Island at the Hyatt Regency Long Island Hotel in beautiful Hawpog, New York, on May 20th and 21st, 2023. Trek Long Island will have a variety of guests, ranging from the original series to Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, and beyond. Doug Jones, David Ajala, Oded Fayer, Franz Nguyen, Issa Briones, Evan Evagora, Raven Dauda, Sandy Gimple, Tanya Lamani, and Fumsil Satoli are just a few of the guests currently scheduled, with more to come. Enjoy interacting with celebrities at guest panels, or snag a photo op or autograph from your favorite actor. Craving the real stuff? Sit in on science panels with real scientists from NASA and accredited professionals in a variety of scientific fields. Or take in a panel where we discuss how Trek's influence on diversity and inclusion has affected Trek fans and the rest of the real world. Love podcasts? We do too. Meet the people behind the voices from Trek Talking, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Strange New Pod, Women at Warp, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner, and more. Don't forget to visit the vendor room, where you will find exhibitors and authors, and where you can pick up an exclusive offering from Mego Toys. Purchase a general admission ticket or upgrade to the Q-Pass, which offers you preferred seating, early access admission to a VIP dinner and show with actress Bonnie Gordon, and more. Trek Long Island is a family-friendly event with many programs and activities, so bring the little tribbles with you. Let's beam Trek back to the East Coast with a bang. Just visit treklongisland.com for updates and to buy your tickets. We will see you out there. Engage. So I did a special show on Monday with Rachel and Edwin from Trek Long Island and the, the whole schedule, all the panels, all the events, 
all the appearances, all the photo ops, all the autographs, everything is mapped out on the on their schedule. And I'm going to tell you, uh, wow, I I I I am so impressed by what is going on. There is just no way that anybody could possibly attend all the panels, see all the guests. It's just not possible. They have so much crammed into two days. I can't. It, it's phenomenal. The work they put into this blows my mind, and I'm honored to be part of it. Um, I will be running the Ballroom C, which is the the podcasting um, panels and the podcasting room. I will also be up on stage with J.G. Hertzler on uh, Sunday at 10 o'clock, I believe it is. Um, We'll be having a a House of Klingon discussion. Uh, They have an actual bat list that was donated to their raffle. And he's going to autograph it for a lucky fan, and I'm going to raffle it off for charity live at the convention. It's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, Truck Talking will be there. We'll have a table there, and I'm going to be sitting in on several panels. Of course, I'm doing one on Michael Burnham, um, you know, the perfect Starfleet captain, and I'm doing another one on Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and why I think it's the best movie. Uh, And I'm on some other panels, too, some podcast panels as well. And I just can't tell you guys the amount of work that Edwin and Rachel and Stephanie have put into this convention. And I, I, I please, I'm, I implore you, if you're in the area, if you're a Star Trek fan, if you're free that weekend and you're looking for something to do, somewhere to go, please go to Trek Long Island. It, it's going to be a blast, and we definitely want to see one next year. And uh, speaking of next year, I talked to Edwin and Rachel, and I said, look, there's so much stuff crammed into the into Saturday and Sunday that I think next year you should do a Friday night. And they said, well, we're going to do one better. Next year we're going to be a three-day convention. We're going to do a full schedule on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So they're going to spread all those guests out and all those panels amongst three days instead of cramming them all into two. So uh, that's my – that's it. That's my spiel on Trek Long Island, and, and I urge you to check it out if you can. Um, we're going to be doing, during the hiatus here where there's no Star Trek, new Star Trek, we just talked with Quinn, our early, who played Mr. Worf, well, stunts for Mr. Worf on Picard Season 3, but that's not all. We're going to be doing a comic corner on the Strange New World, the Illyrium um, incident, which will be uh, issues three and four. It's a four-issue series. We'll be talking about the end of that. We're also going to be doing a book nook on high ground, which I'm thoroughly enjoying and I'm looking forward to talking about. And on my birthday, that's right, on my birthday, which is June 1st, we're going to have on the show Laura Banks, and she's going to be talking about her new book, The Wrath of Blonde. And she's going to spill the beans about working on Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Her brief her brief affair with William Shatner and all kinds of fun stuff. So you definitely want to check that out. So with that all being said, I want to say thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Eric. You better believe it. I had a great time with you guys. Uh, back to the old classic, huh? Yep. We're going to be, we're, we'll all be back. Uh, hopefully all of us will be back next week, right? Mm-hmm. I, think. I think so. I hope. And uh, thank you so much to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Charles, thank you. 
Oh, thank you for the invite to talk to Quinn. That was a great interview. It was just like the old days, huh? Just the yeah. three of us trekking out. It was fun. And I also want to say thank you to Quinn for taking time out of his schedule to chat with some Star Trek fans. And thank you to Ray for giving us a call. And I'm so glad that he enjoys the Star Trek Strange New Worlds Blu-ray set that we sent him. Thank you so much for being a fan, Ray. And as I always say on every podcast, Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Everybody stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Jumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.